Okay, thank you very, very much, Mrs. Yanovsky, for that beautiful introduction and for the invitation. It's a very big schuss for me. A long time in the making. We've been through a couple of dry runs, but uh, finally we were able to make it here. And the school is a, uh, is a legend, and uh, as my daughters might say, and uh, it's, a, it's a big schuss that they're here, and it's a schuss for... Uh, me to be speaking here today in front of such an august group of young women. Uh, so I'd like to thank you. I'd also like to apologize to my daughters in advance for any uh, embarrassment that I may cause, but uh, I'm going to really try hard not to. So we're in the period of time between Pesach and Shavuos. It's the Meha Svira. And we're heading on a march towards Matan Taira. And imagine that this summer you had a, uh, a very cool internship at a, uh, a Jewish studio that wanted you to create emojis for every yantif. Every single yantif, you have to pick one icon to use in their portfolio, in their files of emojis. So I think if I had that job, I think I could get through the year pretty easily, and I'm sure you could also. If you start with Rosh Hashanah, you would pick a Shafer. Good. Okay, we could do this. Uh, Yom Kippur. Scales. Scales, very good. That's what I would pick. A Machser. Uh, Sukkot is a little bit of a toss-up between... Lemon, good. Simchas um, Taira, a safer Taira, maybe a flag. Um, Hanukkah would be, of course, Menorah, Drado, Latkes, maybe. Uh, Purim is a dra- is a Gragor or a uh, or a Megillah, maybe a mask. And then Pesach is, of course, matzahs, maybe some pyramids. Shavuos, to me, would be the hardest of all the Amim Tevim to decide on a, very good, to decide on an icon, to decide on an emoji. And um, one young lady here said that uh, it would be a piece of cheesecake, which was something that I was thinking about. But... I think it's something completely different, and that's what I want to talk about today. And at the end, we'll get to what my emoji would be. When I was about your age, a little bit older, a year or two older, I went to Eretz Yisrael to study in a very prestigious prestigious yeshiva in T4. We have a T4 alert whenever uh, I do that. Um, a yeshiva in Yerushalayim called Kol Tera, which is in Bayit Vagan. It was under the leadership of Rav Shlomo Zalman Auerbach, and it had a dream team of Rabbeim, and that's where I went in Eretzel. I knew nobody. I had not a single friend that I went with, and... It was mostly Israelis in the yeshiva. I would say 95% of the 500 or so Bachram were Israelis, maybe more. 
And there were a, a few Americans, a few French guys, British guys, and that's where I learned. And so I came this time of year, right after Pesach, that's when my Zman started, and I made friends, um, or I tried to make some friends, and then Shavuos night, we were sitting in the Beis Medrash learning, doing that all-night learning, and all of a sudden, surprisingly, all of the Bachrim in the base Medrash got up and started dancing around the base Medrash. I had never seen that. I've been to several yeshivas in America, and that never happened. And they were singing together in an Israeli Hebrew, Uvo chulam bivris yachad, nasev nishma amru ke'echad that Klai Yisrael came together as one, and they said Nasev Nishma in unison. And they would dance and dance and dance for maybe five, ten minutes. And the point of it was to awaken everybody. It gets late and you get a little drowsy on Shavuos night, so it awoke everybody. But it also really was trying to drive home a message that even though there were so many different types of Bachram in the yeshiva, from all walks of life, but we were all one. We were all together in the yeshiva, and we were preparing to say Nasev Nishma. Towards the end of that evening, a few friends of mine came over to me and said, Hey Bamberger, you want to go to the Kaisel tonight for davening tomorrow morning? I said, ah, you know, I really wanted to learn. Come on. So I went with them. It's not a short walk from Bayit Vagan to the Kaisel. It's a half an hour by bus. So you can imagine how long it is by foot. And as we were getting closer to the Kaisel, there were streams and rivers of Jews coming from every single part of Yerushalayim and walking through the Shuk as if it was like during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, and we were all coming together as one, and we davened, and we said hallel, and it was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. And that night really showed me what Shavuos was supposed to be. Shavuos is a time to accept the Torah, but it's much more of a time to accept one another. Klai Yisrael came together by Har Sinai, Ki Ish Echad, Belev Echad, as one person with one united heart, which meant that we all honored each other, we respected each other, we vouched for each other, there was Arvus, Klai Yisrael Arevim Zelazah, and we became one regardless of the fact that there were so many Shvatim, that there were so many different types of Jews, people with different styles, different minhagim, but we all came together as one on Shavuos with love. Ki ish echad echad. And isn't it interesting that during this very period of time between Pesach and Shavuos, we also mourn the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva who died 
Not coincidentally, because Lainagu covered Zawazet. Apparently, on whatever microscopic level, they were not Naya covered Zawazet. It's very hard to understand. Somebody asked recently, what did they do already, the Talmudi Rabbi Akiva? I have no idea, but I promise you that if you would have seen what they did, you wouldn't have even noticed that they did anything wrong. It probably would have been a tremendous act that you saw being done. But on the level that was expected of the Talmud Rabbi Akiva, they apparently fell short of the responsibility that they had, and especially during this time of being able to embrace one another, especially as Talmud Rabbi Akiva, who made the the great rallying cry that every Jew understands is a part and parcel of who they are. I want to share with you a few stories that illustrate this greatness of being able to unify together, to include everybody with love. There's a great Marbitz Torah who was Nifter a few years ago, and his name was Rabbi Trenk. Arts Girl put out a book about him recently called Just Love Them. I was so inspired by this book that I insisted on uh, sponsoring T4 um, books for every single one of the Rabbeim in my little son's yeshiva because I felt that it was absolute must-reading for everyone in Chinuch, but not just in Chinuch. Any parent should be reading this book, and any, any human being, any yid should be reading this book, because this was a man that looked at other people so unconditionally, and he literally loved every Talmud and every yid that he came across. He was a Rebbe in Yeshiva in Adelphia, and I guess the clientele there was not your standard yeshiva guy it was a little bit more people with uh, you know a little bit of a of a of challenge religiosity maybe and he had so many different incidents throughout his tenure there that they made a whole book just about this and I'll give you two examples one example was that one of the boys in the yeshiva stole a car on Friday night and drove to the local movie theater. Now, that's a lot of bad things to do in one night on many levels. And Rabbi Trenk heard about this Talmud. The movie theater was about an hour's walk from the yeshiva, and he walked by foot, obviously, with Shabbos, all the way to the movie theater. And he asked the the person behind the booth, when you come into the movie theater, Pastor Shalom, that... Um, you know, could I please uh, just go in for a minute? I just have to speak to somebody. I, I'm not here to see the movie, I promise. Just let me in, please. And he did that. And he, like, looked through the crowd, and he finally saw his Talmud. And he, like, sort of slips into a chair right next to him. And you can imagine how shocked this Talmud was to see his Rebbe, Rabbi Trank, right next to him in the movie theater on Friday night. And he didn't know what Rabbi Trank was about to do to him, how diff- many different ways he could shecht him. And Rabbi Trank said, uh, Yankel, I, I just want you to know that the popcorn in this movie theater is probably not kosher, so just be careful before you eat anything. And have a good Shabbos. And he got up and he started walking back home. 
And this Talmud ran after him and said, Rebbe, wait for me, I'm walking with you. And they walked back together. And then there was another story that a boy came to try out for, to interview in Adelphia and he didn't know that the boys were dressed somewhat yeshivish there and he came in a jean, jeans and a t-shirt and he, he felt so out of place and he, he apologized to Rabbi Trenk for dressing this way. He didn't know that he had to dress a little bit differently. And Rabbi Trenk says, you need to believe me. I don't even see it. I don't even see it. Rabbi Trenk didn't look at other people the way we tend to look at other people. When I see somebody, I immediately probably size that person up in my mind by their appearance, by their dress, by the type of yarmulke, by their hat, by the lack of hat. What type of person is this? Who am I about to engage with? But there are Jews in this world that didn't look at that. All they wanted to see was the other person's primus, the other person's heart. There's a beautiful story that's told about Rabbi Arya Levine, the great tzaddik of Yerushalayim. And Rabbi Arya Levine once was walking in Yerushalayim and he saw from a distance an old Talmud of his who had gone off the derech. And he wasn't wearing a yarmulke and he saw Rabbi Levine and he sort of went and ran away. He was like hiding from him. He was afraid that his Rabbi would see him without a yarmulke. And... Rabbi Levine ran after him and said, How are you? What are you running away from me for? He says, Rabbi, I'm embarrassed, so I'm not wearing a yarmulke. He says, I'm a short man. He says, I can't see that high. I can only see until your heart. It's a tremendous lesson for us as we approach Shavuos to look at the inside of a person and not immediately make judgment calls based on the outward appearance because outward appearances are so deceiving that very often we miss opportunities to befriend people and to be makarig people and to love people because we're so immediate at making these judgment calls against them. I once heard a woman speak about a a very, very personal experience that she had with her daughter. Her daughter was a kid at risk, and but not just stomach kid at risk. She was going like all the way off the deep end, and she had body piercings and tattoos, and she was not dressed at all. And this family lived in Borough Park. They were very from. They had a wonderful reputation. Every one of their children was perfect. They all married perfect people, and they were all, like, everything about this family was absolutely picture perfect. But then there was this one girl who was the black sheep in the family, and she was causing her parents and her mother, specifically, so much agmas nefesh that they didn't know what to do, and there was so much fighting in the house, and you're embarrassing me, and you're embarrassing the family, and our good reputation, and the other children, your younger siblings, they're not going to get shidduchim because of you, and all you think about is yourself, and, and the girl would fight back and scream and all the tightness, and they would be at each other's throats. 
And they didn't know what to do. They were at an impasse because it was just impossible. They were fighting and they were screaming and they were threatening to disown and leave and abandon. And every single bad scenario that you could ever dream of was taking place in this home. And this woman said that I had exhausted every single option on the table except there was one option that I forgot to use and that I neglected to use, and that was love. And suddenly I just had this epiphany that instead of fighting with her, maybe I should just embrace her. She's my daughter. I love her. And regardless of whatever she's doing to their reputation, that's secondary, and maybe lastly, to the relationship that I'm destroying. So... This girl, it was Shabbos morning, and she was dressed to go to the beach on Coney Island, and she was going to take the bus on 50th uh, and uh, 13th, 13th Avenue and 50th Street, right outside of Eichler's, if you know where that is. And this was like the heart of Borough Park. And she was about to leave the house, And every time that she tried this, her mother started screaming at her, you're walking on Shabbos morning to the bus in the middle of Borough Park to go with your friends. Look at how you're dressed. You're an embarrassment. And she basically uh, tried that so many times and it never worked. The girl just went to the beach. So this week she said to her, she said, I'm going to walk with you to the bus stop. She said, you're going to walk with me to the bus stop. You know that all the Yentabachi sitting on their porches tis- tisking me as, as I'm walking. They're going to see you also with me. You're not embarrassed? She says, I don't want to talk about embarrassment. She said, I want to just talk about love. I love you. You're my daughter. I don't necessarily agree with your decisions, but that will not stop me from being proud of you and loving you. And she told, this woman said this, that she walked with her to the bus stop. The bus came. She hugged her. They hugged each other, kissed each other, said good Shabbos to each other. The girl got on the bus, but that was the last time she would ever go to the beach on Shabbos. From then on, that was a turning point. And slowly but surely, she came back. Love is something that works every time it's tried. And love is something that's reciprocal. The more that you show somebody that you love them, the more they love you back. You know, the great Rabbi Kiva Eger writes in his Sefer that, in one of his farim, in Chumash, that we say every morning and every night, Shema, and we say in Shema, Hashem that I have a commandment to love Hashem. But isn't it interesting that preceding Shema, in the morning and at night, there's a bracha of Kriya Shema, HaBoycher Ba'ama Yisrael Ba'ava, or Oyev Ama Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu expresses in that final bracha, right before Shema, that I chose you, my people, with love. HaBoycher Ba'ama Yisrael Ba'ava. Now, as soon as we hear this, as soon as if we're paying attention to what we're saying by davening, I hear that the Bari Olamim loves me personally. What's that going to do? It's going to inspire me to love him. It's reciprocal. 
the more you express love or the more I know somebody loves me, the more I'm going to love them back. It's an old trick with Shadchanim. If you want to, if you're ever involved someday in, in organizing and orchestrating a Shidduch, this isn't necessarily the most ethical way to do it, but it works. That as soon as the boy and the girl, you know, call you the next morning to, you know, debrief, you debrief them about how the date went. So, you know, let's say the girl said, you know, he's nice. I think I would consider maybe going out with him again. And then the boy calls and he asks you, did, you know, what she, did she say anything? Say, she was crazy about you. She had the best time. She can't wait to go out. As soon as he hears that, it opens up floodgates because that's the way it is. That's relationship. Relationship is, I know that you really like me. I'm going to like you. The Pasuk says, in fact, Shlomo Melech writes in Mishlei, Kemayim panim lepanim. If just like water, there is a reflection. If I look in, in a glass of water, I see my face back. So, that's how it is with interpersonal experiences. When I look at you and I see that you like me, I'm going to like you back. I just thought this morning or yesterday morning that that might be the pshat in a pasuk in this week's parsha. Maybe if you remember it, you'll say it over by your Shabbos table in my name, that... You have to love your friend like yourself. And everybody asks, that's impossible. I love myself. I don't necessarily love anyone else like I do myself. There's an innate love that a person has to themselves, hopefully, if they're healthy. And that can't really be exactly duplicated in a, in a relationship. But I think the pshat is, you have to, Hashem is saying, try to love your friend, and you should know something. I'll give you a secret. It's kamecha. Whatever you're doing towards your friend, whatever love you're showing, you will get back in return. It will boomerang that love. That's the way relationships work. So if, let's say, there's somebody that you really want to become a friend of, so you be that friend. If you're a friend to that person, then that person will automatically just like you. If they see you like them, they're going to like you back. If a Talmud knows that a Rebbe really likes him, he's going to like that Rebbe. If a parent, if a child feels that a parent really loves them, then they're going to love the parent. That's just the way it is in life. That's what Shlema Melch teaches us. The Chachami Kaladim. And this is so important for us because there are many times in life that we tend to distance ourselves from other people for no reason. It might be in camp, it might be in school, it might be in shul, it might be wherever. There are people that I, I hang out with and there are people that I don't. I have a, a friend who, whenever his daughters go to camp, he always sits them down right before they go to camp and he says to them, I am not sending you to camp to be the most popular girl in camp and to win color war and to win Olympics. I'm sending you to camp because there will be a girl in your bunk who is sad, who feels alone, who is homesick and who has no friends. And I'm sending you to camp, Aldas Kane, that you should go and befriend her. Because once you're friendly with her, then the rest of the bunk will be friendly with her. And that will justify your entire summer in camp. 
Somebody wise once told me that you have a list of people, Purim time, to give Shalach Manas to. And who's on your list? Your list is all the girls that you're friendly with, or when you get older, the married you know, families that you're close with. And somebody smart just said that, you know what you should do with that list? You should rip it up, because that's not what Purim is all about. That wasn't the design, that wasn't the intent of the mitzvah of Shalach Manas. Shalach Manas was supposed to create new friendships that didn't exist before Purim. So you find a list of people that you were on the fence about, or, or worse, and those are the people that you should send Shalach Manas to. And you'll find that those Shalach Manas will completely break open brand new friendships. Because when a person receives a Shalach Manas from me, and they weren't expecting it, Wow, that's something. Now you just bought me. With a, with a, you know, with a black and white cookie and a, and, a, and, a, and a can of soda, you just bought me. A few weeks ago, we learned uh, in Parsha Shmini about the trafin of birds that you're not allowed to eat, the non-kosher birds. And one of the birds is a chasida, which Rashi says is a stork. And, and the reason why it's called the Chasida, chesed im It does chesed. It's a wonderful bird. It does chesed with all of its friends, giving it food. It goes, it, it gets food, it gathers food, and it's so generous with the food, with all of its friends. And that's why we call it the Chasida. It's a beautiful story. The only problem with that story is that it's a trafe and a bird. It should be kosher. Because the Ramban says that the, the, all the animals and all the birds that Hashem says don't eat, it's because there's a midas achzarius. There's some cruelty in its nature, in those animals' nature. And by ingesting that, we would actually have that nature ingested into us and into our cells. And so we have to stay away from that. So why is this a treif and a bird? So the Chidush Harim, the great Gareba, said something phenomenal. He said that notice carefully the words that Rashi chose. Sha'isa chesed im She does chesed, but her chesed is very restricted to only her friends. The people in her inner circle the people in her clique, oh, she's amazing. She's so generous. She's so, she'll do anything and everything for them. But God help those people that are a little bit outside of her circle of friends. She's on the outs with them. And she doesn't look at them. And she has nothing to do with them. She's not interested. That's cruelty. That's Aksar. That seems like chesed. But it's not. Chesed means breaking out of your shell of friends. Breaking out of that clique and finding brand new people, and not excluding your old clique, because that wouldn't be nice either, but bringing them into your circle. Expanding the circle. The Chazanish used to say that, that a Gadol of Yisrael is like a circle. That he's able to encompass more people as a circle is. A circle could expand based on how much stuff is put in. And a gadol, the definition of a gadol is, how big is his circle? How big is your circle of friends? How many people are you letting in and how many people are you keeping out? And that will determine who you are and who I am.
I heard from a B'Shem, a great Hasidish Rebbe, that we have many mitzvahs that we do, and most of them are done with our right hand or on the right side of our of our body. Like, for example, um, we tie our shoes. So you're supposed to tie your shoe, your right shoe, and then your left shoe. Um, you know, if you're ever, like, washing your hands kosher, you're supposed to take, you know, negavas, you take it with the right hand. And if you hold your kiddush cup with the right, everything is done with your right hand. But it's strange that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put a heart on the left side of our body. It's a strange thing, right? If a heart is so powerful, it should be part of my right. My right is my strength. And the answer that he gave is that what's on the left side of you is my right. Your heart is on your left-hand side, but it's on my right-hand side. Your heart is on my right. And that's my mitzvah. My mitzvah is to make sure that you're taken care of. If you're taken care of, if you're happy, if your heart is, is whole, and you're not feeling sad because of me, but rather you're feeling happy because I have made you whole, and I included you with my group, with my chevra, and I compliment you, and I, and I want to make you have a smile on your face, that's my mitzvah. My mitzvah is to take your heart and to deal with it, not to always focus on my own heart. And it's hard because people are different, and sometimes people, you know, they don't always play the part that we want them to play, but that should not put you off because everybody really wants to be your friend. It's just they have a hard time expressing it. You know, Last week we learned uh, Tazria Mitzerah, and it says that the, the Mitzerah, this person who became Tameh with Saras, and he has to go, or she has to go, Michutz Lamachana, be completely out of the camp and think about the Lashonara and the other Averis that she or he may have done. The Pasuk says, Tameh, Tameh Yikra. This person has to cry out to everybody that they might encounter outside of the Machana that I am Tameh, I am Tameh. And the Gemara says, oh, I, I know why you say Tameh, Tameh, so that no one should come near me and get Tameh also. But then the Gemara says, well, why, why, why not just say Tameh once? Why the double Tameh? So the Gemara says, one time is that I am telling you, stay away from me, because you're going to get Tameh like I am if you don't. But the other Tameh is that I'm, ask, I'm saying to you, I am Tameh, and I'm begging you, to daven for me, to be a vakesh racham emalai. Tame, tame yikra. What does the Gemara mean? I believe what the Gemara means is that every time there are people in life that you see and they, they seem to be crying out that I'm tame, they might look different, they might be acting in a way that's completely not acceptable. They might be dressing in a way that they're trying to advertise something and express something that is not in line with what we believe in. They're saying, Tame, Tame, they're saying that I'm, I'm impure, they're making a statement for all to see. But you should know that it's really, truly a cry for help. They don't want to be different than you and I. They want to be part of us, but they're crying for our help. They're saying, have pity on me, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I just want to be made to feel special. 
and maybe life didn't always deal them the same hand that, that we were lucky enough to have. And maybe that's why they're acting or dressing or appearing different. But don't let that put you off because really that difference is them really saying, I want to be close to you. Now, Baruch Hashem, I have a lot to be happy about and grateful in my life. I have Bliyayin, uh, three beautiful girls, amazing, each in their own way, and I have a wonderful wife. Baruch Hashem, I have great parents, and my mother, I think, is listening, or if she's not, she's going to hear the tape after. Um, and I was zeichet to much more, I think, than I, than, I, than I could ever possibly deserve. But the one thing that I always felt was the reason that I was zeichet to anything that I may have had since I got married was one incident that I want to share with you that's quite personal. So when I was about to get married, so my parents made me a beautiful ofruf uh, in Long Beach where I grew up. And, you know, it was, uh, all my parents' friends were there and my future in-laws were there and, um, and all my friends were there and I was sitting around a special table just with them and we were schmoozing, we were having a great time. So beautiful, simple. Into the social hall, into the room where, this, where the simple was in the shul, walked a yid. And Long Beach is not a big city, it's a very small city. And I think I knew, today I don't know anyone there, but at the time I, I knew everybody there. A yid that I had never seen before in my life. Never. I remember exactly how he looked. I never saw him before, and I never saw him since. He was... He was a gingy. He had red hair, red beard. He was not... He was skinny, emaciated. He had a yarmulke on, but it looked like the borrowed kind, and, and he reeked. He was like probably a homeless person from, from the boardwalk or something that walked in and saw people, and, and he, um, he was just standing there. So my mother, who, she's a, she's a great sadekas, probably the greatest sadekas that I know, she walks over to him. I know I promised you I wouldn't cry. Okay, I'm trying. She walks over to him and she said, um, how are you? What's your name? He says his name. Nobody ever came over to him and asked him what his name was, ever, in his life. He says, you're probably hungry. Did you eat anything today? He says, no, I haven't eaten in like a week. So I think at this point in the story, if my mother had been a normal, ordinary person, she would have like had the if she was really a tzaddikah, she would have had the caterer like have him eat in like a side room of the shul and like, okay, she feels good, he'll be happy, and end of story. My mother walked him over to a seat right next to mine. Here I was, the chassan, the melech, all my friends around, we were schmoozing, having a great time. She made a seat available for him, and she sat him down right there. He was beaming. She had lit up his world, his life. He was sitting next to the chassan. 
eating delicious food, sings mirrors. He was taking part in the conversation. It was a little uncomfortable for me, to be honest with you. But I believe from the depths of my heart that anything that I was zeichet to in my life from my marriage on was because of that meal at my afraf. What did it take? It took nothing. It took just having feelings for another person, making them feel human, making them feel special, making them feel at home. It costs nothing. It costs nothing to make other people feel good about themselves, but it's priceless. The way you'll feel and the way that person will feel, the relationship that will open, and how you could change the trajectory of that person's entire future because you put a smile on their face and you maintained, you started and will continue a relationship with people that you never considered being friendly with, whether in school, whether in camp, whether at work, whether in seminary. Do you know how amazing the things that I'm telling you are today? Do you know how priceless they are? We're unlocking today keys to life. To being, to being a real chassid, not a, a fake chassidah, a real chassidah, somebody that goes beyond their friends. They do chassid with people that are not their natural soulmates, their BFFs. They're doing chassid with everybody. Those are people that are so unique and so special that they change the course of people's lives. So just to close, getting back to our emoji, I believe that the emoji of Shavuos is a heart. It's a heart that pumps. It's a heart that radiates warmth, caring, sensitivity to everybody. If you're a Jew, you're my friend, period. I, but you're, unconditionally, I don't care. We may be different. We may be from different backgrounds. I'm a mashkiach, the mashkiach in uh, Lander College for Men, and we have there kibbutz Goliaths. If you'd come into the base medrash, you would see people from different walks of life. We have guys from Brisk, and we have guys from, from the most modern Orthodox yeshivas. We have guys wearing kippahs through gaz, and guys wearing big chasidish yarmulkes, and uh, you know, big payas. We have guys in t-shirts and guys in white shirts and sits out and no sits. We have everything. It's a beautiful kibbutz Goliath. It's everything. The Rav Aaron Shechter, when I once described to him the scene of our base medrash, Marish Yeshiva, the Rosh of Chaim Berlin, he said to me, he says, it sounds like instead of being the Mashkiach, you really should be the Mashiach. Because you need Mashiach to keep such a place going. But it works. I don't know how it works but it works, and I share these ideas with them constantly. It's a constant refrain, they know it. Forget your cliques. You come from different yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, who cares? Break out of those cliques. You come from different communities, you're in different majors, you're in different shirim, you're in different, different stages of your learning, growth. Doesn't matter, we're one yeshiva, we're together. We have achtas, we are ki ishechad b'levechad. As we approach Shavuos, as we approach the Zman of Matan Torah, the greatest Kabbalah that we could make upon ourselves is to undo the damage of the Tamidei Rabbi Akiva, 
who are not in whatever way that was, and to start working on our midas, to start working on endearing and embracing ourselves to other people. And put on blinders. Don't look at other people through certain prisms. Get rid of all of those prisms. And the more that you do, the more that you, you could take somebody that has really very little going for them and you can make them this beautiful person all because you took time to embrace them, to care about them. If a Sefer Torah is missing a single letter, it's puzzle. And there are 600,000 letters in the Torah and every one of us represents one letter. You're going to let a, a yid go, you puzzle the whole Sefer Torah. You're going to fix that, that ice, you're going to make that ice whole again, that letter whole again. You have just written a brand new Sefer Torah. I want to wish all of you a wonderful Yemei Asira, and Mitzvah Hashem, you should all be zaycha to have a beautiful Zman of Matan Torah.